Welcome to Dose of Support. We are an interdisciplinary show that highlights healthcare workers. We share stories and self-care in healthcare every week. I'm your host, Dr. Vanessa Casper, a nurse practitioner and a healthcare worker just like you. Remember, I'm not your healthcare provider. Our guests are not your healthcare provider, and we're not giving healthcare advice here. Seek out care from your own healthcare provider. This podcast, host, guests, and associated social media platforms are not representing an employer or organization. It's hard out there, so let's find some self-care in healthcare. Stay tuned. It's time for our weekly huddle doses. Welcome to the show. I just wanted to say happy holly, happy spring equinox, happy Palm Sunday to those of you that had that this past weekend, happy Passover to those of you that celebrated that this past weekend. It is a great time of year when the world is waking back up into spring, you know, unless you're in like another hemisphere. So anyway, I did have a a good friend reach out to me and say that, you know, from a business perspective, that when I get political on the podcast, it's confusing for listeners. And I do not want that. And I want you guys to feel like you know who I am and where I'm coming from. But I just want everyone to know that I feel it is necessary to speak out for what is right. And I don't think we can have self-care in healthcare. I don't think we can get there. I don't think that we can have it or find it or work on it if we are experiencing oppression, racism, white supremacy. How do we have self-care when we have those things? And so it's a privilege to be able to to have self-care. But it's also a huge responsibility when I sit at this microphone to represent who I am and what I stand for and to use my platform for the greater good. And so I hope that anyone out there, if you experienced confusion, I'm so glad that you're here. I really love that you return every week and listen to the show. And I know my personality and hopefully that's one of the reasons why you keep coming back because I am genuine. I am this person. Dose of support. It's not about me. There's a bigger thing here. It's about all of us and all of us need to be healthier, happier healthcare workers. I want that for you. And sometimes that means talking about politics. That means talking about hard things. So thank you so much for being here. And I hope you enjoy this interview with Emily. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Dose of Support. She's a registered nurse who literally needed to take a break. Today, she shares her story of resilience as she returned to work with a full cup. Please welcome certified intensive care, certified public health, and specialist PICU nurse, Emily Mazarak. (laughs) Hi, (laughs) Hi, Emily. (laughs) I'm good. How are you? I I practiced saying your name like before we even started, and then you corrected me, and now I can't say it the right way. It's okay. Um, like, gen, that's my genuine... Anyway, so listeners, I, I do so much behind the scenes, like, <laughs> to prepare for this, and clearly, you know... Anyway, so I told Emily before we started that I have three cups of coffee on board, so... We're just going to have a good time. Um, it's going to be high energy. I can already feel gonna it. It's going to be high energy. So Emily, tell tell our listeners 
what got you even interested in healthcare in the first place? Sure. Um, so I'm actually a second degree student. Um, I had originally had a degree in something called human services. So it's a combination of social work and public health um, and basically just being in the community, right? Being with different clients and people. And as I was starting to do that work, I realized, you know, I really should have become a nurse, right? I love helping people. <laughs> I also love math and science. And I figured that this would be a really great way uh, to combine the two and into like a profession. Um, it also helped that my mom is actually a nurse practitioner herself. So I was very familiar with the field um, before I kind of went into nursing school. So if you had a bachelor's, so you had this bachelor's degree already, what kind of program did you do to become an RN then? Um, so the program that I did was a four semester program. Um, I did have to take two prerequisites because I didn't take them in undergrad. So I took organic chemistry and I had to retake an anatomy section. They didn't have enough credits uh, from undergrad. And okay. um, once you finish your prerequisites, you're allowed to um, start your nursing classes. So it pretty much was hit the ground running. Um, all we did was nursing classes and clinical for four semesters straight. And mm -hmm. it was probably one of the greatest and scariest and most intense periods, I think, in my life, right? Um, you're trying wow. to learn as much as possible in such a short amount of time. And I think we all had such pressure on ourselves, right? Because we want to do well, not only in school, but making sure we're prepared for boards and finally when we're out on our own. So, so um, I think we've talked about this a little bit on Instagram because that's where we met. Yes. Um, <laughs> and I, I don't know if I've told you this, but I taught for about five years. And part of that teaching was in those accelerated second degree programs. And what I found was people that come in with a undergraduate in something and pivot and decide they want to be a nurse they are really they really want to be a nurse like they really sure. are taking it seriously they come with more life experience mm -hmm. and it, so it sounds like you put a lot of pressure on yourself like the average second degree student because it really meant a lot to you whereas i find that younger students that are let's say 19 years old entering college or whatever um, and entering a nursing program, they kind of don't know who they are yet and they don't mm -hmm. know what they want. And, and I really notice a difference between those student populations. So um, I, I really enjoyed teaching people that, that really wanted to be in nursing like and, and had evaluated their life enough to know that that's what they wanted. So kudos mm -hmm. to you for, uh, and it sounds like your mom was kind of a good support there. <laughs> A hundred percent. She um, used to joke that she went to nursing school, obviously, before everything became uh, very tech heavy. So she would, you yeah. know, share stories with me. But at the same day, you know, you show up and you want to do the best for your patient and uh, for your family. So I think that really transcends uh, no matter when you went to nursing school or how you became a nurse. I think that's true for all of us. So you take your boards and then mm -hmm. what happens? Um, my heart had always been set on pediatrics. I have always loved that population. I love that you get to be a little bit silly and um, you get to sing songs and you get to play while you are providing um, support and medical treatment. And unfortunately, there were no pediatric um, units hiring where I was living at the time. I was living in Baltimore. So I stuck it out for about six months before I finally decided uh, to take um, a job as an adult med surge nurse. 
So it wow. wasn't my, I know, it was very drastic, very different. And I had never um, seen myself as working in the ICU. I always wanted to get back to doing community health because of um, my love of public health. So I figured at least this would be a good year um, to get a little bit of experience to kind of work on my communication with providers and patients and just get an overall setting or an overall idea of just how to be a nurse before jumping into community health. Okay. All right. Yes. So huge pivot. <laughs> just going to guess that this was a tough year. You were a new grad. I think, yes. you know, any nurse that's listening has been a new grad before and it's tough because mm -hmm. you're just learning so much. Um, but what were the biggest gains from that whole year? Do you think? I think just my confidence. Um, med surge is a fairly short orientation. So after six weeks, um, I was flying solo, which was terrifying, right? I had just become a brand new nurse. And now after six weeks, I was, you know, kind of in charge yep. of managing my day and passing meds. And I think as the months went on, not only was I able to build relationships with my coworkers, which I think helped and knowing where my support system was and who my resources mm -hmm. were. But I think just becoming more confident with talking with providers and explaining different medical conditions or how medicines work and why we take them in a certain way or on a certain schedule. And I think that only comes with practice. And that new grad curve is 100% a real thing. I think it took me between six and eight months until um, you know those butterflies went away uh, as soon as you walk in. And, and clock in right at the beginning of your shift. So that that anxiety that you're that you feel, I think like mm -hmm. that is so 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 normal. We need mm -hmm. to we need to normalize that that it's okay to have a healthy fear, healthy fear, not right. like keeping you awake at night fear, but a healthy fear because there's a lot that we don't know and there's a lot that we don't have control over, which is really hard for some type A personalities. Mm -hmm. um, and so it, I think all new nurses in that in that first year, they think I can't do this or I this isn't what I want. And they right. jump they jump into a graduate program, like an NP program. And I just want to shout out my buddy, the clinician life on Instagram for, um, she, she recently posted, um, five reasons why you shouldn't be an NP. <laughs> I thought that was really interesting. And I mean, the reason I bring it up is because that first year is so hard and, um, starting even just changing to a different unit can be really hard too. Right. Um, and so when you're new like that, you think that you have to look for an answer somewhere else or the, the stress gets to you and you think, I can't do this. I need to do something else. And mm -hmm. like, really, like it's growing pains and right. you don't have to jump to grad school and there are things you can do to make that better. And so I just wanted to bring that up because you don't have to go to grad school, right? You don't have to. I, I think learning what you like and what you don't like is really important. And it sounds like you were able to like find some comfort after that, mm -hmm. you know, like the eight to nine month mark. Yeah. And I think that was the nice part about it too, right? As a new grad, you're kind of trying to figure out, did I make the right decision? And maybe you have a couple of bad shifts or a couple of bad experiences and you're extremely frustrated and you start to question everything that you've done all the time and the money and the effort, right, that you've put into this degree and thinking that this was the career. And I'm 
I definitely think that there were those days, right, that we all have that, you know, could have, should have, would have, you know, maybe this isn't the right path. But like you said, just kind of recognizing them maybe as growing pains and um, just to kind of see where this journey takes you. And if you need to pivot, great. But, you know, maybe it was just a couple, um, just a couple bad shifts that happened to be back to back and, you know, seeing what you can, how you can grow and what you can learn from that. Okay. So you did your year on med surge. Then what happened? Um, I honestly, I was not very happy. Um, I love my yeah. coworkers, but pediatrics was really kind of where you I were wanted being to be. Called. You were being called. I was being called, right? And okay. after my year, um, I had applied. Honest, this is going to sound hilarious, but I applied to any pediatric job where I knew somebody, where I had previously lived, or if it was in a city that I wanted to live in. And I applied to everything, med surge, wow. specialty units, pick you, you name it. I just was going to jump in. I was going to get pediatrics no matter, no matter what. And um, funny if the very first phone call I got was from a PICU. Um, and that was uh, the job that I ended up taking. I had wow. never seen myself as an ICU nurse. And I just took the leap thinking, you know, I could probably do anything for two years and it would involve me moving to a city I had lived in. So I thankfully had some kind of a support system there already, but I figured this would be a really great learning opportunity and this would probably be the time to pick up and move, right? I had nothing else kind of going on at the time. So I figured I'll just jump in and I'll see what happens. (laughs) So that's like really bold and brave. I I don't know if people listening have ever just like picked up and moved to another city or state yeah, uh, like maybe you have. I did that. <laughs> I yeah, did I've done that. it a couple times. <laughs> yeah, but but it, it's a scary, brave thing to do. So you're learning 100%. a whole different city, a whole different culture, and then a new job. So right. wow, wow, you must have been like you must. Maybe is that your personality? It totally is. This was not oh, the first okay. time that I took. I've taken big <laughs> leaps. I think. Um, I've always tried to go after what has either been interesting to me or um, I'm always up for like a new adventure. And I think okay. while, yes, this was a big, scary new change for me, uh, thankfully I was moving back to a city that I had already lived in. So it wasn't okay. everything new. At least I knew the city and I still had some friends in the area. Mm-hmm. After being there for two years, I was starting to mentor and orient new, new grad students. And I realized that I really yeah. love teaching yeah. and mentoring. After three years in the PICU, um, at kind of steady job, um, permanent staff decided to do a year of travel PICU nursing. And yeah, so that was another big scary leap. You'll kind of see my life is just a bunch of big leaps and I just kind of see how (laughs) things happen, right? How they turn out. Um, And again, it was one of those things I had never seen my, um, my career going in that direction. Travel nursing, I knew people that had done it and had loved it. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Wow. So how long did you do that? Um, I did it for about a year. Um, I had three different contracts kind of spread out all over the U.S. and um, all as a PICU nurse. So everything from a super small um, four bed unit to, um, you know, something bigger and a much larger urban campus um, with like 36 beds. So I really saw the gamut um, over the year as a traveler. I have to say, this is one thing that I actually do have regrets about and I don't regret a lot in my life I feel like I have lived a very good life and I do regret not being a travel nurse um, Mm -hmm. because you 
it is quite the adventure and you get to see the country and you get lots of experience and it's mm-hmm. so lucrative, right? Yeah. Um, and I think I would have paid off all my loans earlier, right? <laughs> all the things, all the things, right. right? So if any new nurses are listening, um, I've worked the spectrum myself and it sounds like Emily's been in it too. And mm-hmm. it's, it's an invaluable thing. So if anyone is feeling stuck or, and I want to say for other professions, there are travel, like you can travel mm-hmm. as a respiratory therapist, you can travel as a PA, like there are travel assignments for those uh, working professions as well. So if you if it's something that you think maybe this is a good time in my life. And of course I've got like a little baby now. I guess I could just pick up and go, but I don't think that would be the best for him. And so it's, right. it's really like take those opportunities and it sounds like you did. So mm-hmm. um, that's so awesome. So, okay. Um, right. But I think that's kind of the beginning of, where I started to lose focus on like who I was as a person and being able to put myself first. And I think as a travel nurse, especially, right, you're traveling to a new contract every 13 weeks and um, trying to learn new things and you become so engrossed in these other um, cultures and ways of doing things that you kind of forget that you need to take time out for yourself, right? If you're not... um, taking care of your energy levels and doing the things that you enjoy, that's kind of where that burnout starts to um, starts to, to kick in. And I think after a year of, of putting myself second, if not, you know, third, fourth, fifth down the list, I think mm-hmm. that's why um, and how my burnout started to kind of creep in slowly. So, all right, at this point, you have years of experience and really like, I would say a really good variety of experience too. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of life experience because you had this other degree and this other, you know, this good foundation. Um, Mm -hmm. and then bam, something hits you. And this is where we are going to take a break. And when we come back, we'll hear Emily's story. So stay tuned. That was a lovely break, right? <laughs> um, I'm back with Emily Mazarak. Yes, got it. Got right. it. <laughs> um, and so she is our registered nurse who has traveled the country as a travel nurse. She has tons of PICU experience. She's been a nurse for years now. She's certified in several different areas and loves public health. And she's here to share her story. So go ahead, Emily, lay it on us. So um, as you mentioned, I was a PICU travel nurse and kind of like what we were just talking about, um, I came to the end of my final contract and decided that um, traveling wasn't really for me, which is okay. I had a lot of great experience. I learned a lot and it was just time to have a little bit more consistency in my life. So um, I was actually interviewing for a full-time permanent PICU position. And 
in the middle of the interview, the nurse manager was talking about the burnout symptoms that their staff had been experiencing, and she started to kind of tick off the most common symptoms and what they were doing to help address that. And here I am sitting in the interview, and I have now ticked off five of the eight burnout symptoms that she had just listed in front of me. So, you know, the not sleeping well, anxious before going into work, not enjoying the things you usually do, self-isolating, you know, the list might go on and on. And yeah. now I'm in full-blown panic mode. So not only have um, do I still have half of an interview I need to finish, I'm now questioning how I have let my own burnout get to be so bad, how I've been in this like state of denial and what am I so going to do? So you're in this, like, like you're in this interview. Yeah, and, with three managers <laughs> and me. And like, what are some of the things? So you listed off like poor sleeping. What else? Um, so things I had really noticed, especially in my last few shifts as a traveler, was I was so anxious before I walked into um, like every shift I had, and I had never experienced that before. I was wow. concerned about. Um, the kind of patient I was getting, I was concerned about whether or not I was going to have a good neighbor who would either help to answer my questions or, you know, would help me even something as simple as turn my patient. Um, I was concerned about being a good advocate for my patient. I mean, you name it, and it just would be on repeat for the first, you know, 30 to 45 minutes of my shift after I had gotten report. And wow. like I said, I had never experienced this before. This was very strange. And I figured, you know, maybe it's just because I'm done with traveling, right? Maybe mm-hmm. once I get a permanent position, these thoughts will start to go away. And I think be telling myself stories like that and um, with some of the other symptoms, I think I was just in such a state of denial that I couldn't see the problem that was so clearly kind of right in front of me. And sometimes you need like the problem to be defined for you. Mm -hmm. Like sometimes, you know, there is a problem, but you don't know what it is or you won't acknowledge what it is. You need, you need someone to spell it out for you. And it sounds like they kind of did this during your job interview. They did. And I got the message from the universe very loud and very clear. (laughs) (laughs) So what happened? You're in this interview, you're like starting to feel anxious. All these, all these feelings are coming back up. What happened? 100%. So thankfully I finished the interview. I think I was still pretty coherent. Um, but (laughs) on the, I mean, I hope I was uh, coherent, who knows, but, um, on the drive home, I realized that like these things that I had been putting off for so long that I, I kind of told myself I might have a problem, but being that strong pick you, I see you nurse, you know, this is just a phase, you know? Yeah you got to be stronger and get through it. Like you're going to get over this. It's no big deal. Um, I think in that moment, I realized that even if I was offered this PICU job, I could not go back to the PICU. If I was to go back to the PICU in this state, like I was, I was concerned about whether or not I would be able to continue my nurse as, or my nursing career. Um, something that I had worked so hard and so long for. Because you felt so like emotionally, mentally unhealthy? Yes, for sure. Like I knew that my mental health, if I went back to the PICU would suffer so much more. I knew that my, um, relationships were already being, um, impacted by, um, kind of the last few months. And, uh, I knew that, well, I was kind of, I was worried about what would happen if, you know, this was just going to continue on. So, um, I started looking for other, other jobs or other um, opportunities as a nurse. And I think that's the nice thing, right? There's so many different fields that you just need to kind of pivot and do a little bit of research and hopefully you'll find something that fits. Um, 
And I was, thankfully, I was able to find this great pediatric radiology job. Um, it wasn't quite as high intensity. The schedule was great, right? No weekends, no holidays, every, uh, or many nurses' dreams, I guess. Yeah, and yeah. I think just having that switch of my environment, but also being aware of all of the, um, all of like those burnout symptoms I was having, I was able to kind of start um, my own self-development journey and really to be able to come back from this burnout to falling in love with nursing again and being super excited to go into work and being able to be back in teaching and just enjoying being a nurse again, because that's something I had missed out for on so many months um, towards the end of my travel nurse um, stint. Yeah. So, okay. To just like recap a little bit, you're in this interview you're anxious. You decide right. this isn't for me. I'm going to go a different direction. And you get a different type of pediatric job. And I just want everyone to know, again, before you decide to go back to school, like you can literally do so much mm-hmm. as a nurse. Like, and I always think if, and I've never done pediatrics and I never want to, but I've <laughs> always thought that the best job is a school nurse. Oh my mm-hmm. God. Like those hours, summer's off. Right. OMG. Um, anyway, I digress. So you are, <laughs> you, you pivot and you decide to focus on yourself and you know, we're all about self-care here. So mm-hmm. what are things that you decided to do to love your job again and also take care of your mental health? Um, one of the first things I did was honestly, I hired a, a coach. I decided I needed to start investing in myself almost as much as I'd been investing in myself and professional development. And mm-hmm. one of the things I had noticed, especially during my peak of burnout was I did a lot of coping with food and with eating. Um, And yeah, I had gained almost 25 pounds towards like the last three months of me being a traveler. Like, you know, one of those other warning signs that, you know, oh, it's fine. It's fine. I just kind of put in the back of my mind. And I think just being able to work with this nutrition coach really allowed me to kind of look inward and um, start to kind of tease out some of those emotions and the thought process and allowing myself to kind of explore and do some self-development in this really safe space with a coach. And um, I know that some people are able to do it on their own, but for me, it was nice to be able to talk with somebody one-on-one and to talk something out and just to have a little bit of extra support and also a little bit of accountability. And I think because I was in such a supportive environment and um, I mean, it was hard work, don't get me wrong, but it was hard work that I'm glad I did because I was able to come out, you know, a couple of months down the road being so happy and feeling so much more energetic than I had been that I knew that this was the right investment. And it really um, has pushed me to kind of continue my self-development journey over the last year or so um, with trying new things and making sure to fill up my cup first before um, before trying to help others, whether it be at work or in my own um, personal life. Obviously, you had to pay a coach, um, but nutrition is really hard. I I struggle with it. I hate cooking. So what are the what are some of the things that you did to get 
better nutrition on board for yourself? Um, I think it was just being a little bit more prepared. Um, just meal okay. prepping for me has been a lifesaver. So I spend, you know, two hours on Sunday or Monday, depending on my schedule. And I just prep all of my breakfasts and lunches. And I think because all of that is done, right, it's one less thing I have to think about. And I'm also mm-hmm. a little bit more conscious about the fuel that I'm putting into my body. Um, because it's not, you know, you're running around in the morning trying to throw a lunch together, right? You already have everything planned out. So you and make sure um, that it's higher quality as opposed to, you know, running to the cafeteria and, you know, hoping that you might find something <laughs> you'll like for lunch that day. Or if not, you know, eating, you know, just tons of French fries and chicken fingers, right? I work in pediatrics. Those are everywhere. You eat well, you feel well. A hundred percent. Okay. So that was one of, one of the mainstays of your self-care during this time. What else did you do? And obviously this was all pre-COVID, right? So um, one of the things that I love doing is, um, just having really good coffee. So I would go to a coffee shop and read a book. Um, It didn't have to be anything too serious, but it was something where I got away um, out of my work environment, out of my home environment. And it was just an hour for me, right? I put my phone on silent and I could just be engrossed in this book or, um, you know, magazine or whatever I was reading and really just take the time for me to just recharge and not have to worry about all the other problems that so often kind of pop up. I love that. I think some people feel like they don't have time to do that, but Mm -hmm. if you schedule it, it sounds like you just have to schedule it. Like, just make it happen. Sit outside. Like if you, like right now in COVID, it's like, you can't just go to a coffee shop. I mean, you can, but you know, it's, it's not the same vibe. It's not the same vibe for sure. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but yeah, you can sit outside or you can go to a quiet place in your home. And I think you do have to schedule that. And if you don't, then no, no one's going to do it for you, right? Like right. Mm-hmm. no one is going to put you first until you do it. And so you spent this time, you had a nice job change. You were able to just feel good about your work as a nurse. And now you really want to help other people fill up their cup too. Mm-hmm. And And that's how we kind of found each other on Instagram because we're both into the self-care stuff. Right. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Like you're doing a five-day challenge right Mm now. Yep, we're just wrapping it up. What are those about? Like tell us a little bit more about that. Sure. Um, So like you were saying before, I love that you said sometimes you just need to schedule it. And that's one of the things that um, we've been talking about all week is not only do you schedule it, but then you treat it like an actual appointment. Like if you had to go to the doctors or if you had to have a meeting with um, you know, your manager or something. And I think one of the other things that's really changed my whole attitude and um, kind of given me a more positive mindset is just the idea of incorporating daily gratitudes. So that was one of the things we worked on this week finding five things that you're grateful for or five things that bring you joy. And I usually write them down in a notebook first thing in the morning before I check my phone or before I turn on TV or anything like that. And I think just being able to remember and really sit in those feelings and think of why they brought you so much happiness or so much joy, it really is such a great way to kickstart your day, right? You're already in this positive mindset. You're feeling good about things you did yesterday or conversations or things you saw. And I think starting off in that sense of positivity really does help to kind of carry you through the day. You roll out of bed, take a drink of water, Mm -hmm. pick up your pen and your journal. And like, it literally will take you 30 seconds to write like a sentence. Like, I'm really Mm -hmm. grateful that I have my family today or whatever, whatever it is. Like it really won't take you that long 
And then you can always, what I, what I actually like about journaling is picking up my journal later and reading, Mm -hmm. reading back at what I wrote. And I find that that's actually where a lot of reflection happens, where I, where I find the gratitude is when I look back. And so it doesn't work for me daily (laughs) (laughs) for some reason. That's just not my jam, but like maybe some people could make it work. Like every Sunday they sit down and they write about their week and that's it. Right. And, and they can look back. So I really like this idea and you can tailor it to whatever your needs are. I think really just making, um, making of it what you want. Right. And I think this is like a non-pressure situation where sometimes if you start off with that gratitude and like you said, it doesn't have to be five, but choosing one and then just focusing on the feeling that, um, that it kind of brought about, like, why did it bring you so much joy? Was it an activity that you love? And maybe think about ways that you would be able to incorporate it further um, on other days off that you have, or other times you step into the hospital, or is it a certain person who you really admire? You know, how can you um, maybe incorporate some of their actions or some of their um, habits or how they interact with patients into your own daily practice? So I think just sitting in those five gratitudes a little bit longer is usually where my journaling. Um, takes me if I'm feeling in a journaling mood. And since we're on the topic of gratitude, I find that expressing gratitude to others is really good. Like I feel really good doing Mm -hmm. that. Like when I say thank you or when I send a thank you card or when I send a message or something like that, I find that, um, that actually like puts out this positive energy into the universe. And so, and I know that's a really woo way to put it, but yeah, I um, love it. I love it. But I I find that like it's sometimes it's not like it needs to be about you. Right. But like Mm -hmm. feeling gratitude and being grateful, like often the things that are around us or the people in our lives, like that's what we're grateful for. And Mm -hmm. we should tell them that. And like that feels that feels really good to do. So if you're really not sure how to get started, you could start there. Like the people that support you say thank you to them and and write that down and send Mm -hmm. them a card maybe like maybe it doesn't have to be a journal it can be like a little thank you card or a little note or a little e-card or something like that yeah um so I really like that idea Emily you are just a cup of joy how (laughs) how how do people find you if they want to connect with you and do some challenges five-day challenges with you how do they find you um, so I mainly am on Instagram, so it's emily.mazarak. Um, and on there, I have lots of um, tips and tricks, kind of things I do to fill up my own cup um, to make sure that I'm feeling, um, you know, energized and uh, fulfilled. And um, yeah, all the information I have for my program, I do have a mentoring program, um, will be on Instagram as well. Awesome. I want to hear from you. Please rate and review the show. That really helps people find us. We're growing and I'm so excited. And these messages are really important. So Emily, thank you so much for thank being for here this me. week. And listeners, I'll be back in your ears next Wednesday. 
You can extend a dose of support even further by visiting us on Facebook, Instagram, on our website, or by giving us a rating or review. You can always support the show monetarily on patreon.com slash dose of support. Dose of Support is written, organized, emails, edited, produced, published, all the things by me, Vanessa Casper, with exclusive music by John Schreier. I'm punching out this week, but I will be back in your ears next week for another Dose of Support.